next episode, we discuss the most important issues facing our film industry in 2020, gender equality and representation. We share some of the real stories focusing on our different experiences working on films here in Canberra, and we share our five best tips on how we can all be safe and welcoming on film sets. I began this podcast as a form of therapy and self-education. I wanted to share, learn and talk about the things that I felt were important to me, my friends, colleagues and professionals in the film industry. The vision has been to create a narrative of our collective story through my eyes and through those I value greatly. Which brings us to this week's episode where I have in the studio with me uh, April Watson of Watson Media and producer of Alice. I have Claire Strickland, who was the costume designer on Me and My Mates vs. Zombie Apocalypse. And we have Rachel O'Neill, who was a producer on our award-winning short film, The Blue Man. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Dan. Hi. I've got a question for you. What do you think is wrong with the um, film industry at the moment with respect to gender equality? It's a tough question because I would argue as a man that we are doing the best we can. And I can understand completely that that is never a good enough answer. I feel like that in, at least in what I've tried to do as a filmmaker, that I will look to listen to all voices. Um, and that, that's beyond just gender, but also ethnicity and, and background and, and experience and all those different things. And so when I feel like I'm doing the best I can, it kind of feels like how do I get other people to sort of see it the way that I'm trying to learn and understand the way that I feel it should be as part of you know, being a producer in the industry. So have you th- seen things that you've been uncomfortable with? Often, and probably only more identified in recent times. Perhaps as a younger filmmaker, perhaps due to a, the amount of experience that I may have had at the time, I did not see it clearly. But where I believe I've put effort to, to understand more, I've been able to identify it a lot easier, which has meant that I can then do something about it a lot sooner rather than let it sit, let it become a established cultural behaviour that, that might exist. I, I agree. I think um, in the pre-work that we did for our first onset shoot um, recently for Alice, you kind of let me take the reins on that, knowing that I would have a bit more insight about the fact that on sets we need to make some rules and that might seem like a pretty elementary thing to do and to tell people how to behave but sometimes it's really good I find to outline things in black and white and just say don't do these things or do make sure you do these things um not just about inclusion but about being mindful of the fact that the way that you behave in the past doesn't necessarily mean it was okay and so we're letting kind of everyone know that there's a level a standard of what's okay with the movement in film at the moment with the the wide scene factor is a been a major high level media thing but the movement itself of better gender equality in film do you believe it's been successful so far or is you know what are the things we need to look towards to to make it successful if it's not I think it's certainly highlighted um, and it's not just in film either. It's, it's in, you know, lots of different disciplines in life at the moment that gender equality is being highlighted. So whether it's actually improving, I'm unsure, but it's definitely highlighted. I know in my experience working in film at the time, I was never bothered by anything, but in hindsight, there is um, things that I would absolutely question now, but at the time you don't really um, think twice about it, which is 
I guess, problematic. And now I would be, um, yeah, much more um, conscious of what is going on around me and what is said to me, I suppose, as a female. Absolutely. And I think if we if we look at, say, someone like Reese Witherspoon and the, the podcast that she did, um, Second Life, uh, the conversation about there just there aren't enough parts for women, women are not getting accolades for things. I think the recent event ceremony is probably a reasonable indication. And look, when we talk about equality, like gender is the first factor. It's the main thing because we know that women are not being given the same chances as men. They're not being given the same money as men. They don't have the same voice as men. They're more likely to be assaulted and victimised and the victims of violence and the list goes on. Um, But also that Uh, there are not as many roles for people of colour. So then you drill that down a little bit harder and it's women of colour, so they're in two minorities, that those opportunities are even less still. And it's not, again, not just in the film industry, but uh, I think that if a woman with that much white privilege is still struggling, we're, we're not in a good place still, but we're talking about it. And that's a big step from 10 years ago. Now, um, being that we are camera filmmakers, I mean, I've been working for more than 12 years in Canberra's industry. Um, I started out as a young 18-year-old and I'm now 35. And That's I, terrible maths. Uh, what was the math I provided? 18 to 35. That makes, 35. You, 30, that makes you 30 years old. So. so maybe 17 years. Oh, yeah. Leave it to the ladies, doll. <laughs> I was going for my professional career rather than when I was a student. Okay. No, that no, because when you learn, you're always learning. When are you not a student? Okay, I'll start again. <laughs> Leave it in. Um, <laughs> to tease you, Dan. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, in my 17 years, I have started out as a young man and I have gone through a growth of what has been my my contribution and my involvement in into the local industry. I think a lot of inspiration for, uh, I think, for the podcast in itself, uh, starting it, has come from my own mental health journey but also from the way that I was feeling frustrated with the way that some of Canberra's uh, other practitioners approach the things. And I guess I wanted to get my voice out there clearly. And that's kind of why this, uh, this, this podcast is there so that, that there is no confusion on, on my message and what I'm trying to achieve and what, I, what my aspirations are as a filmmaker. But also the fact that at some, some time, it would have been 18 months ago, I heard pretty sad things that were happening on our film sets. Now, be it not professional or amateur or student film sets, they were things that really bothered me, really I struggled with. And so, in a way, I reached out to you to discuss and to understand and to comprehend. Do you think filmmakers in Canberra are doing enough to address gender inequality? I think it's dependent on the filmmaker. I don't know if we can generalise on a location. And I suppose in Canberra we have that level of exposure as far as, you know, we're the nation's capital. and We're quite left-wing. Yeah, um, and I think that... If I look at the film sets that I've been on, they're quite, it's only a couple of times that I've been on set somewhere and most of the time you're there, Dan. So I, I, it's hard for me to say. I think that when I hear about the things that, that I have heard and, you know, as you've said, we, we've both been exposed to different stories about things that happen on set that make us go, ooh, that's not quite right, is it? That yeah. nobody's doing enough. So yeah. the answer, I guess, is no, yeah. but I don't know if we need to point the finger 
filmmakers in Canberra or even filmmakers, as you've rightly said before, Claire, it's so much bigger than the film industry, but obviously in the context of this podcast, um, are the people that we work with or know or have knowledge of in our industry doing it enough? No, no, they're not. And, and, and plan, planting this question in our episode structure, was there was intention behind that. And it, it was to bring up one particular topic that I've struggled as a producer when I'm trying to bring together a crew. And that is there are not enough females to invite. I absolutely feel like absolute frustration when I'm looking through on, on, on Facebook groups or new students or anything like that and going, I would like to find female filmmakers who are looking for experiences to work on our productions. And I just, it's so difficult. I know for a fact that in the last couple of years, my film sets have not been as equal as they should have been, but it's because of the fact that there isn't enough females who are, who are identifying as filmmakers yeah. or as people interested to be involved in our industry. And and this is not a criticism of you or of, of our film, but we've got one female producer, one female intern, three female actresses and a female makeup artist. Yeah. Okay, so the lady that makes oh, the tea. And, 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 and uh, a costume, costume designer. Yes. Right, so the lady that makes the tea, the lady that does the admin work, the lady that does the makeup, three stage girls and someone handling the dresses. Yeah. No ladies holding cameras, no ladies holding lights, no, no people who identify as female doing any of the hard, quote marks, the hard work or the work that will win them an award. And on that as well, then we've got, so for our Wombat Man series, our DOP is Liz yep. and she's been doing an amazing work um, as a DOP and it's her first sort of bigger project that, she, that she's been working on. Um, I, I, and part of where I uh, was attracted to the idea to, to involve her as DOP and not as just a camera assistant was she was a young student who deserved an opportunity. Um, and, you know, we've been working on the project for some time. And so over over that period, she has grown into that role. No, I'm thinking back to me and my mates and um, thinking about everybody who was working on that set. Um, and it is very similar to what April just listed. However, we did have, we had a female script supervisor. We had a female boom operator. We had a female production manager. But our DOP was male. Our first AD was male. Our director was male. Our head of sound was male. Yeah, all of the camera operators were male. Yeah. Um, our runners, we had a lot of female runners. We had a lot of, um, we had a female costume designer, yeah. obviously. Um, we had a female makeup artist as well. So, yeah. and I mean, you know, we there's a culture that is still occurring, you know. Yes, actually, um, there are a lot of males in the makeup industry um, and they have been since the 80s, really, in the high-end stuff. Yeah. Um, but this, it's still a female-dominated industry, just like hair is too. Absolutely. Um, so is costume design. You know, yeah. it, it's very female-dominated. And, and um, But, you know, there, I'm, I'm hoping there is starting to be a culture shift in sound design and in um, and camera operations. And, you know, and as, you know, Dan was just saying, you've got um, a DOP um, in his movie, uh, or series, web series, one yeah. um, Man, who is female, which you know that's that's starting to make a difference. At the same time, then the rest of the crew are male. So yeah, yeah, and and it, and, and so it, it, as I said, it's just been as a producer, it's frustrating. Like what you've just described, you know, some of the biggest projects that I'm involved with, you've just described, you know, a nightmare in my head in regards to 
gender equality. It but doesn't it's, exist. It's, it's not absolutely reflected in not just the film making world. Just look at government. You know, look at who's in the top spots. It's it's male. It's just like the film industry. You know, the, yeah. it's male dominated still. We um, there's a lot of female middle management, which is exactly the same as the filmmaking industry. Lots yeah. of female middle management, yeah. but you know, the head honchos are still men. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it is though? Do you think that they're there? And have lost confidence do you think that there's just no females getting into filmmaking i think the opportunities are are lacking because the culture hasn't shifted yet enough yeah and i think that dan you your acknowledgement of the fact that you actively look to give liz an opportunity uh is when you talk about oh I, you know that that's a nightmare because how am I ever to overcome gender inequality? You can do it one one female appointment yeah, on your set at a time. We're not asking anyone to solve the problem instantly by having an all female set because you want the right person for the job. The difference is that people like Kathleen Kennedy and Amy Pascal were overlooked because they were women, not because they weren't as good as yeah. their male counterparts. So if you look at Liz and some other unnamed person of any gender and you go, she's the best person for the job, great. The fact that she's able to show up and get a run in 2020 or 2019, because that project's been going now for a little while, the fact that she can even show up and be considered is a step forward. Yeah. But now then she needs to turn up and two other women turn up and one other guy yeah. and someone who's non-binary and someone who's disabled. And, you know, it needs to be a non-exhaustive list of people who can show up and get a go if they're the best. And that's the issue with inequality is that you're immediately overlooked if you present as female. Dan, you have taught at universities and, and CIT around Canberra. What's the, um, the ratio of gender in those classrooms? It's men, mostly, um, young men. Um, they're hardest workers though, are the young females. They seem much more focused. They seem more interested in achieving. But where they seem to go, and particularly because it's Canberra, is they don't end up in the film industry. They end up in public service and they mm. end up in common communication roles. And, yeah, graphic design. And, and, and yeah. You can't see, but I've got my hand up. Yeah. So that's why, because they work so hard, that's why they achieve in that. Yeah. So if you look at where the pathways are, they, yeah, there are those middle management roles where they are succeeding completely. But we have to work twice as hard to get half as much notice. Thing from my experience from going to CIT, I felt personally that I got pushed continuously into the producer role, into the organisation role, not by all the teachers, by one in particular. And then the same people were pushed into the directing roles and you'll find that that was mostly males being pushed into the directing roles and the sound roles, unless you really put your hand up. Those themes of, of yeah. gender inequality were it, kind of being perpetuated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just being, um, happening all the way through. Being completely honest, I'm not the most confident person at the best of times, but then to constantly have the same people being put into those directing roles, you see them get stronger. And then as a diploma student, I still felt like I was in the Cert three skill level for a director or for a soundie. Um, so I did just say stick with what I was comfortable and it's continued since CIT. I've stuck to those similar sort of roles. And I think when you lack confidence and someone reiterates to you that you're not as good as other people. Which or is, you're really good at organising. Yeah, well done. I I also, here, take this tea towel. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think when someone reiterates that to you, perhaps if someone had continuously offered you opportunities to do something outside of those 
basically coordination roles in one way or another, um, you might have built up the confidence to be like, no, I, I am quite good. And even as someone who is naturally not confident. So that's where I found my opportunities, I guess, outside of CIT. Say, for instance, Dan. Dan was my teacher at CIT. Dan was very supportive of one of my first films. Like I did a first edit and got told by the editing teacher that it was rubbish. Um, and then that teacher was sick and Dan came in as a relief teacher and sat down and watched my film and actually provided me with uh, constructive criticism. And so I set out to refilm completely with what I'd learnt from Dan in one session versus what I'd learnt in a whole term. I completely refilmed, reshot, re-edited in like a week and a half and managed to win awards for my film. And I think that that's about him taking the time to look at your film. He didn't look at you and go, oh, well, she's a girl, so don't worry about it. Um, and maybe that other teacher, I'd like to imagine that that teacher wasn't looking at you and going, oh, you're a girl, so your film's stupid. But there's a real possibility that they did, even though the original cut of your film could have been quite brilliant. I mean, obviously Dan gave you constructive criticism, but again, I might have showed up and watched it and thought it was quite good because what do I know? Keeping in mind this was like, what, 18 weeks into a course that I've never touched a camera before, never held a microphone before, and I had to do all of those roles myself. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's big. And, and yeah, for you to say that you then went on to win an award or awards for your film because somebody took the time to give you an opportunity speaks volumes. Yeah, it made a big difference. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have continued on to do my certificate for if it hadn't have been for Dan. I have a question now. I know, Dan, you run um, filmmaking workshops for young people and I, my children have attended. Um, my, well, my two male children have attended, not my female. Um, not because I haven't given her the opportunity, just because she hasn't taken it up. But I believe when I saw um, the kids attending, it is mostly boys. I would argue that that is what it was. Oh, good. Once upon a time. Yes. When your son um, attend, attended first. Yeah, so, so when um, Zach was, oh, he was probably 11 or 12. Yep, that's right. It was boys. And then something shifted. Uh, I think it was because I made it clear that girls were welcome. I think I put in the ad, I said girls. And it was a unisex opportunity. Yeah, it was girls something. too or something. And since then, um, it has been predominantly girls. That's great. And yeah. in all honesty, and I mean, um, I think the, the young men, what they bring to the workshops is great, but the experiences that I have with the young female filmmakers, they're like they're 12, 13, they're just at the right age of where they're telling, you know, their, their imagination has just exploded, that they've, they've come to understand what it means to tell stories. And what they are doing in the workshop is just, it's the reason why I keep doing it. If the boys just kept coming, I think I would be tired. <laughs> I think I would have had enough because... As a mother of a boy, I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, okay. I agree. They've got some great ideas, but they all want to punch each other, shoot each other and explode things, which is nothing wrong with that. I want to make movies like and that. And I'm sure there's lots of girls who want to... Do, there's punching and exploding, but they want to do it in a Harley Quinn kind of a way, not a, not a Tarantino kind of way. I mean, a great example being that we just ran this um, summer workshop and it was on the backdrop of fires. Um, because we had all the smoke and we almost had to cancel it because of the smoke, but gladly went ahead. Um, and so I put to the, the, the filmmakers, I said, um, we're gonna, we won't really want to focus on something that has environmental theme to it. Now, I have no concern about what stories you wanted to tell. Like you just tell your story within that scope. Um, we'll brainstorm out from there. And then each of the stories that came out had this really strong understanding of what clearly 
going into politics a little bit here, that all our political parties have struggled to comprehend. And that is, is we're not doing enough. And that inaction is, is just pointless and action is way, where the way we've got to go. Um, I was almost astounded by the way that they responded to the theme um, and the way that they approached it. And I, I think the, the films that came out of that last workshop, there were four films in total. They're, they're some of my favorite films that we've produced in the four and a bit years that we've been working together, making workshops. I think that's great. And I think being able to be current is important because kids are so exposed to things now. Um, and I, you know, you use the word wokeness before and it can kind of be used to slag people off a little bit sometimes when, you know, people are too left wing, they're too woke, they're too this because they're, you know, going against the grain of patriarchy and white privilege. And um, I think the fact that you could have both male and female filmmakers turn up somewhere and all have a, the same quality of having a go is a comment on the fact that if everybody was allowed to have a turn, the best ones would win, not necessarily because they were a boy or a girl or something else. Yeah. On a kind of side note, I mean, I hope that having equal numbers between female and male kids in your um, workshops helps normalise it for the boys as well. Like I can't tell you how many times I've showed up on set as a production manager or a unit manager or producer and being asked, oh, are you, are you the makeup artist, you know? Or, no. or can you get me a coffee? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's so true anywhere in a workplace. I'm sure if you showed up in a mechanics workshop, they'd be like, what are you doing here? There is a there is a bias across different industries and even in, you know, especially in film, for, for people to see a woman there and assume something about what role she's there to play. And it starts at such a young age, as, you know, we've just been talking about, like, so having, um, you know, having these workshops that Dan's running um, with um, more females than males, you know, do you think that, that is the start of the shift as well? Well, the, the reason for putting these workshops on was to address part of my frustration with trying to have equality on film sets. I, I, I feel like that if we don't start in, in, embedding the, the ideas that doing camera work is a girl thing as well as a boy thing from an early age, then we won't, we won't get anywhere. Like giving a girl a camera at the age of 11 and 12 should be empowering and they should want to use cameras for the rest of their life if they want to be a filmmaker. And I feel that, so you look at the, the students that I've taught at CIT and UC, to, to hear the, oh, I don't know how to touch a camera, I don't want to touch it because I'm worried it's going to, I'm going to break it. Like, I, I always say, no, well, just try it. But that shouldn't be a thing by the time you're at uni. If you're going to be a filmmaker, or you're going to be a storyteller or content creator, a media person, having comfortability around film equipment is the way to go. And so the workshops are designed for that perfect uh, opportunity, that, that, that purpose of giving them a chance to just be com comfortable with what is considered to be a boy's toy. Yeah. And I think if we look at Taylor Harris, the female AFL player who was just mercilessly roasted by the internet, men on the internet, mm. you know, that's another place in sport where it has to be the women's league of something. It's not just a league where women show up and they can have a crack. We have to give them their own whole subset of something, WNBA, uh, you know, or that thing where women play netball and men play basketball because somehow there's a different level of talent associated with dribbling as there is to passing. Makes zero sense. But I think the fact that you're engaging them at an equal level, not a, oh, we've got a ladies' workshop yeah. and a boys' workshop. The boys' workshop has, you know, the bombs and the guns and the yeah. whatever and, and your set is going to be pink 
I think that's a real difference and a significant one. And I think if the parents are seeing those targeted ads that say, would you like to send your child along to this cool school holiday activity where they can learn stuff and engage with their passion and none of it's about whether they're a boy or a girl, just whether or not they want to make a film, that again is just saying anyone can come and do it, mm. have a crack. And on the sport thing, um, I will say the one place that has achieved great steps. He's going to say soccer, isn't he? I am going to say soccer. <laughs> but he's right. Oh, because, I know. But he's uh, a soccer fan. So yeah, we... well, the FFA to, to basically instill without question the national team, men and women get paid the exact same. And it wasn't lower the men's. It was bring the women up to the men's level is proven to be successful. I mean... Look at the success of the Matildas in the yeah. last few weeks, just alone. Sport is getting better. And yeah. even commentary of sport, on sport, you know, if you do Unfortunately, watch, the fans are not getting better. No. <laughs> if if you do watch sport now, I mean, it's, it's not what we would call equality. Mm. However, you know, people like Aaron Mullen, you know, are getting in there and um and commentating and um and having commentary yeah. on something that was always deemed to be male. So um, you know, there are improvements by far it's it's not equal yet, but it's it is getting there. Um I mean it's a positive step, I suppose. But I mean I don't like to say it like that, but it's you know, because it's a bit depressing. Um, but at least it is a positive step in the right direction. At least they're doing better than the film industry, I think. They're way ahead. They have consciously seen, seen, and, you know, um, cricket as well, women's cricket is is becoming um, very yeah. popular now. And um, so I think, yeah, it is, I think they are doing better than the film industry is. Yeah. And then if we look at uh, Ash Barty, and then conversely, the New Zealand Parliament where the men were lauded for being able to handle a newborn in the chambers, but Ash Barty was criticised for holding a baby as a shield uh, and it was a tactical move to stop her being criticised because look at, oh, so cute, there's a baby. But when men do it, it's extremely cute and, oh, let's mm. praise them. So I think that, you know, wherever we see that divide, for us to address it, Bring and bring the topic forward is a better step than to just ignore it because continuing to ignore it is how we've ended up having to ask questions like, is it safe to be on set, whether it be in Canberra, in Australia, or just generally in the industry? Is it safe for us to go on set as women um, maybe till five o'clock in the morning? Maybe where, um, you know, it, you're there alone with a couple of people for a small shoot. Is it safe? Do you feel okay about it? Are you at risk? All those questions. What would you say are the top five tips on how we can be safe and welcoming on film sets? I think one of the things that we can do to be safer and more welcoming, as I mentioned earlier, articulating to people what is okay and what is not okay. If you start with a benchmark and you say everything below the line, not okay, don't do it. If I see you doing it, you're booted is a good start because what that says is, hi, ladies, we recognise that you have experienced this myriad of problems, whether it be physical assault, being made to feel uncomfortable, harassment, whatever. If we recognise and we call that out from the get-go and we say this will not be tolerated and allow people to feel validated in their genuine fear, which is a real thing, to being afraid to go somewhere where you might be the only person who's female on set, um, I think that's a good start. I think that's really, really good. Um, my reservations on that is the reporting side, which probably leads me to my Tip um, or recommendation is that um, we have people on set who are mental health first aid trained. 
So there is always has to be a first aider um, because that's legislated. Legislated. <laughs> She's got an English accent. She can't say Legislated. Uh, however, um, mental health first aid is becoming more and more important. Um, and um, I think, you know, having somebody who is trained in in mental health first aid is going to be a positive step. Um, and also as um, somebody that can be um, that people can talk to if they have a problem, because telling you telling somebody or a crew that these behaviors are not acceptable who do you report it to? Do you report it to the producer who's the sleazy one trying to get into your undies? Or do you report it to the t um, the runner who actually can't do anything? Like mm -hmm. you need somebody yeah. to be able to report to um, that is actually going to take responsibility. So I, I will say off the back of that, um, we laid out those rules and regulations for the Alice set and I listed mm -hmm. myself as the harassment contact officer. Yeah, That was a terminology that I took from I work. I think that's a great one. And yeah. I was like, hey, says what it is contact me if you are being harassed hello um i gave my i that i put myself in that vulnerable position of having to be reported to um it can be hard and i think it, it's hard also sometimes for us to hear that someone we like is behaving really inappropriately and i think that's where someone like alec baldwin who falls into that thing of defending someone who's known to be a sexual predator or literally anyone who said harvey weinstein's a good guy or prince andrew Jeffrey Epstein, you know, the list goes on. Um, anyone that... Allegedly. <laughs> anyone that aligns themselves with someone that they later find out behaves in a way that they find abhorrent, that's a tough time. If someone on our set had come and told me that somebody else was behaving in a way they didn't like, that doesn't make me feel good because mm. I like and admire all the people on our set. But at the end of the day, if I have signed up to the job of making sure that people stay safe and identified to them, hello, if you're looking to report something that you're not okay with, I'm your gal. Um, but also uh, I think I made the judgment call to appoint myself because I made an assumption that as a woman, people would feel more comfortable talking to me. So is that biased? Or is that just accurate? Well, as I was thinking about what I was going to say, I was thinking, would you have a, a female um, and a male harassment officer or would it just be somebody who is trained? Mm. Um, and also, we also need to think about the consequences. So if you are, if that somebody is reported, what do you do with that information and what do you do to assist them to see what they are doing wrong? Because obviously in context of um, no doing this and no doing that, you know, no running, no jumping, no diving, it's pretty easy. You ran, you jumped, you dove. But no making people feel uncomfortable, no sex on the set, no whatever it might be. If they, if they look at their actions and don't see themselves as bullying, harassing, behaving inappropriately, making sexist jokes, yeah. look, if it's really funny, guys, it's probably harassment. That's a good rule. If everyone's laughing except one person, it's not okay. Um, and yeah, I do think that if we can, if we can take gender bias out of out of it and say whoever's trained is the person that you go to, but then who do you how do you choose who you're going to train? The person who has a proclivity for listening, mm. who's most likely to be forceful enough to say you behave badly, you must now be punished. But mm. also, you're putting the production at risk when you behave badly and someone calls you out on it. If you're the lead actor, you're in like this, the whole production's in serious trouble, and that's where we find ourselves in that really tight spot where the person who's the contact officer says to the producer, uh, the director, "This person's done X," and you go, "Yeah, but we've shot all but four scenes. We can't lose them now just because they've touched someone inappropriately." 
you do have to. So it's it's really tough. It's yeah. not easy. And it's how to um, – and I, I do believe, like, I, I think that, you know, booting them, for example, which is, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, you kick them out, is probably not the ideal solution. Mm. You know, some form of counselling to, to let them understand what has actually occurred. Yes, if they are, you know – I suppose at the extremes, um, extreme end, you know, if they assaulted somebody and they are perfectly aware that they did, you know, that is a matter for the police. Yeah, but then you look at Marlon Brando and, like, some of the things that happened on sets in that era were assault, mm-hmm. but no one was going to own up to that. No, no Nobody was going to say that was okay. The, the way that people were treated on sets, especially women, would nowadays be considered a crime, but it wasn't back in the day and so that precedence being set it's the you know that madmen for advertising you know the glorification of what it's like to be somewhere and that kind of fuck your way to the top you know the couch all of those tropes come from somewhere mm. um and i think that yeah if people are committing crimes out on your set then yeah you got to do something about it but it's the context and and if the victim's afraid of that person or is afraid of losing the one gig that they got because they're a lady and it's really hard to get a job you're really in a tight spot. Yeah, I mean, I I have been put in a position where I was uncomfortable and I didn't really do anything about it and I kind of shrugged it off. If I was a different person, maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know, um, but you know, that's neither here nor there really because, you know, I'm okay from my experiences and I, I haven't been scarred or anything from it, but maybe somebody else has. And I know, you know, after talking to Dan and um, having the discussion about this podcast, there are people who've worked in sets in Canberra who have had experiences that have left them scarred. Yeah. And don't want to work in the f- industry anymore. Yeah. Have left town. Like, that's how serious. So this sort of behaviour, I mean, um, we need to stop it before it starts. I think that that's probably the, you know, uh, uh, the main rule that you laid out right at the beginning there was, you know, this is the behaviour that is not acceptable. And these are the consequences yeah. of... Um, of this unacceptable behaviour if you do them. And being dismissed is a reality and I, or it needs to be seen as a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there will be a level of ha- people having to be made examples of and they're going to feel like they're scapegoats because they're not going to believe that, oh, I'm not as bad as some other person. But it's not about – you can't rate somebody else's experience. If, if you say that, oh, what I did was only like a four out of ten but the other person has gone away, left town, quit the industry, you know, that, that person doesn't want to work – in that industry anymore because of something that you did. You're a 10 out of 10. You might even be an 11 out of 10. Do you think it's realistic, though, to have somebody on every set who can be a harassment manager? I, I, I think um, that can't be their only job. So it can be, it could be anybody. And as, you know, April said for her, she's the producer, but she also was that person. You just think about how many, you know, student films were there. Yeah, absolutely. Three, four people. Then it's one of them or it's... I think there's a second side to it which would go with every industry is also educating and empowering people to not stand for the behavior if you're the lead actress and it's not acceptable don't be afraid to just leave you know it's their fault not your fault if the production doesn't go through yeah absolutely it's not your responsibility it's their responsibility for their own behavior yeah and empowering people to be able to speak up i mean you know it's that's what we need to do in general in general in life and i think Dan is someone who's being demonstrative about his intolerance for inequality and 
gendered bias on his sets is opening the doors for the other men on the set to say, yeah, that's not cool. Dan, Dan and I both agree that that's not cool. Dan can't be the only person on the set that behaves that way. That won't work either. Um, so I think being able to have those frank conversations with the writer, with the other producer, with the boom operator, with whoever it might be and just be like, yeah, I observed this thing. It wasn't good. I didn't mm. like it. And for that person to go, yeah, same. We've got to just keep those conversations going whenever you see something. See something, say something. And even what Rachel was saying, um, you know, you sh- um, universities and, and TAFEs should be actually, um, you know, including this in their curriculums. Yeah. Um, how, was Is there anything included around behaviour um, in – in the qualifications that you've done, Rach? I don't I don't recall. I do know some people who did music videos or they might have had a sensitive scene and so they've done a closed shoot, but I don't mm-hmm. recall it being taught to us. It might have just been their own common sense. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you know, adding it to the curriculum or running seminars on, you know, behaviour on sets or I don't know, something a bit more sexy than that. Like <laughs> Yeah. Maybe sex is the wrong term. Yeah, not, not too sexy. <laughs> um, I think, that you know, if we look at human, you know, whatever it is, human sexuality or whatever, the pr- primary school kind of where they enter into that sex ed space, the first conversation is probably needing to be about consent and bodily autonomy because if we have eight-year-olds who understand bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. then we will have 18-year-olds and 28-year-olds and so on who understand that, it's not okay to do what's not okay um, and have some way of having a concept of that. But also being mindful of the fact that socially some people see their behaviour in one way, whether it be through the lens of being on the spectrum or a cultural thing, you know, in my country I do it this way or, um, you know, what they've been exposed to. So there's also – that's where rules come in because it makes it a a clear line about what's okay no matter your background. I think – I think the one thing that I will add to this final wrap up that we've been we've been going through is that I am not afraid to admit I have not done enough and I am not embarrassed to say that I can be better and that is something that I'm going to continue to be um, as to the best of my ability for all my projects going forward I know that 2020 for me is going to be one of the busiest years of my life possibly with the with Alice with with uh, One Mat Man continuing with numerous other projects that are happening um, here at Sanguinetti Media and I know that all that's going to be on the, on on the back of my mind is is obviously doing the best for the people involved and making sure that everyone feels welcome and safe yep. and excited to 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 work with us. Yeah. I think one of the key things about inclusion and it doesn't just have to be about gender but obviously that being the topic if you're not sure ask them if if you're wondering what a woman on your set wants from you as the director producer whatever ask them because more than likely if you give someone the opportunity to share their needs with you they're going to tell you if they feel like they can't express what they need I need more privacy I need this to be a closed shoot I need you to listen to my complaint about this person I you know whatever it might be if you ask somebody what they need from you hopefully they will feel comfortable to tell you Thank you so much to April, Claire and Rachel for their time to join me this week. They will be back for a future episode as we continue the conversation on bridging the gender gap in the film industry. April runs a body positivity blog, which is a dedicated space of self-love and body positivity. 
you can follow her at the Bodzilla on Instagram. You can also support this podcast by becoming a patron for just a dollar a month. Your support contributes to the general running costs of a regular podcast, and your subscription will give you early access to every episode. You can join us at www.patreon.com forward slash Sanguinetti Media. Film Rhapsody is produced by Russell Lee and Dan Sanguinetti for Sanguinetti Media. Find our home at sanguinetimedia.com.au.